They say that change is the only constant in life. In this season of Swim Upstream, we're breaking down specific instances of change in software organizations when both technical and human aspects were involved. Amir Shvat has worked at some of the biggest names in tech. Slack, Google, Twitch, and now he's the head of product for Twitter's developer platform. In addition to Amir's work at Twitter, Amir is also an angel investor and an author. Welcome, Amir. Thank you for having me. Very exciting to be here. All right, let's dive in. Let's kick things off with some warm-up questions. So what have you been listening to on Spotify? Oh, I, I'm really boring. I, use, I listen to uh, songs to sing in the shower, which is a playlist that Spotify has. Just like happy songs that they collect and they update that song. Just like uh, I put it, I put my faith in the algorithm of choice, and like that's that's my go-to playlist. Okay, I'm gonna check that out. That sounds good. Happy is good. Please tell us like a bit about yourself. Uh, we did the introduction, but where were you when the story that we're gonna focus on uh, uh, transpired? So. Um, I was, I just left Slack, uh, as you recall, I started Slack uh, very early uh, in the days and uh, left Slack when we were about 2,000 people um, and joined AWS uh, to a company they acquired called uh, Twitch. And my role was the VP of the, the Twitch developer uh, platform, so like all the APIs, and the tools that developers use to build uh, on top of Twitch. Did you have a, a big team? Uh, what type of people were in your team? Product or developer advocates? So, so the way uh, Amazon works, it's called a single-threaded owner, meaning that um, it's a, what's called today a GM model, which is a single person and all the cross-functional report to that person. So... I had engineering under me and I had product under me and I had marketing and partnership and developer relations. Basically like a company, right? Yeah, the GM model. Uh, we have a GM model at Twitter as well, but like the GM model is uh, empower a person to do their entire job really fast. Um, it has the downside of like you might have duplicates because if you have multiple GMs with marketing, there's not a lot of like synergies between those PMs, but um, you, you get uh, a velocity of execution, which is really important uh, in these models. Okay, that makes sense. And it also sounds like it might help avoiding the kind of stuff you hear about startups being acquired by really big corporations, right? It, 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 the way it works is that there's no metric management. It removes the metric management. So like a, a product manager or engineering manager does not need to negotiate uh, services uh, from marketing, from partnership, mm -hmm. from all the rest. Everything reports to a single leader. Uh, and at Twitch, it, it was very effective. At Amazon, it's very effective because you, you can't go to your manager and say, hey, I didn't do my job because that team uh, didn't give me the services that they need. All the services are under you. Uh, so it's called a one head to bash, if you'd like. Okay, so that sounds like it could reduce 
politics yes. significantly. And okay, but, and that's a good segue to ask you, like, tell me, like, the background of when the change that you wanted to talk about happened. So when I joined, I usually join and I do a listening tour. I hate it when a leader comes and they immediately say, okay, this is the change. This is what we're doing. Everything is different. You know how it, how it goes. Like uh, uh, going around and saying, yes, this absolutely. is my territory. I don't like that. I don't like territorialism. So what I do is I start by listening to people. And I spend about two weeks listening to all, the, all my directors, uh, all my engineering uh, managers, um, talking to engineers and to PMs all across the, my organ and, and marketing, of course, all the cross-functional. Um, and what came, uh, what I, the realization that I came to is that there's no collaboration and there's this bro mentality. So um, people, the, the person scream, uh, that yells in a meeting gets his uh, thing. And people and PMs do not share roadmap. And there's a competitive behavior between uh, between PMs because they don't collaborate. This could work for other leaders. For me, I don't I, I don't I can't work that way. I need to work in a place where people collaborate and help each other and let other people uh, express themselves in an empathetic way. Um, I, I came from Google and from Slack and that's the way people behave there. Um, there are other places which are notorious for being more uh, militant in their uh, interactions, but I, I can't work that way. So I had to uh, create a change that would let people work in a more collaborative way. Okay, so it sounds like you were you wanted to work against two very strong forces, both you know the, how people got used to working in the organization and also what they know from their peers in, in other organizations, right? So how, how does one go about even, you know, uh, starting to think about changing something like that? So uh, I think the first thing is to recognize the problem, to say, hey, like I've, what I've heard from you, this is not me passing judgment. This is what I've heard from you is that we have uh, a collaboration uh, challenges. Like we're not sharing roadmaps between uh, directors. We're fighting over resources. People have told me that they can't speak in meetings because other people yell and they, they can't get there. Especially junior people and especially diverse uh, audience had a hard time saying and, and doing what they're uh, what they wanted to do. So first of all, acknowledging the problem with my uh, direct reports and in all hands, like telling people, hey, listen, I want us to have a single mission and a single uh, vision and a single strategy. And I want us to work towards it together. So that's that's the acknowledging the problem. Then I, I'm an engineer by trade. So I, I look for like root cause analysis. Like what is the bug that is driving the, um, the problem behind this? Because usually people, from my experience, are much more collaborative um, when they have a single mission. So I looked at uh, each of my directors and they all had very different uh, mission that they were trying to solve and even a different audience that they were solving for. And 
one of the second thing I did was to uh, work with them to create a single mission and vision and strategy and to connect all the technical infrastructure and roadmaps and everything that we do together into a single thing that we all w- want to achieve. Having a single audience and, and, and change is hard. Some people did not like the change. Some people left, left my organization. But from my perspective, it was easier and, and made people happier and more productive by having a single mission and vision and strategy. It sounds like you didn't meet this necessarily head on with education. Like, I want you to behave differently. I want you to speak differently. You started with the root cause, and it sounds like that made it easier because you're not trying to change a person or their like specific behavior. You're trying to, to, to take away the reasons why they're uh, getting into that uh, confrontational place in the first place. A hundred percent. I think that like, if I tell people to change their behavior, but the situation stays the same, they will, they will, uh, they will show me that they changed their behavior, but they won't actually change their behavior. Um, and, uh, and also like working by example is really important. One thing I've learned, uh, so I did a VP course at Amazon, and one of the uh, gems I collected there was uh, to let other people, like the junior people, speak first. And I was very inspired by that because that basically solved the yelling in meetings type of uh, exchange. So when there was a review, and in Amazon there's tons of reviews, um, I started by letting the most junior people speak and then go from there to the senior people. And that created a much more uh, inclusive environment where the junior people had a voice. And usually the junior people were much more connected to the problem that we're trying to review and much more able to make an impact and a, and a smart uh, choice there. So listening to the junior people, junior engineers that are closest to the problem was usually very, very effective way. So uh, in, in these types of uh, situations, uh, in my experience, there are things as a manager that you get into, when you get into this, there are things that, um, you, like ideas you come with, and you maybe you hope that they also come from, from the bottom, right? Uh, and there are things that completely surprise you that you like very much. Like, were, were there uh, both of these? Of course. Um, there were ideas that I came in with, like, strong conviction that something is should be done. And it, there were a complete failure. Like, they, they didn't work because it was rejected. Um, I tried to consolidate all the products under a single umbrella name, for example. And that was a complete failure. Marketing hated it. My directors hated it. Everybody other than me, <laughs> nobody liked that schema. Um, and basically I said, okay, I disagree and I commit to your thoughts. Um, one of the key things that people don't understand about the phrase disagree and commit is that managers should like disagree and commit commit with their teams. It's not like I listened to my manager and now he told me what to do. Many times it's like the manager recognizing that the team knows much better than, than he or she about the, the situation and committing to their way of doing things like the team knows best. Okay. So uh, we've had people on this show 
in a very different that that told a story from a diff, very different perspective than than you as the general manager. Uh, their their point of view was one of the junior developers that that might have been an, a, in your um, organization, and um, they 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 talked about how to um, get managers on board with their own ideas. Did you see any? Any very effective tactics for people under you to recruit you and other people in, in the leadership? So there's multiple ways to recruit. Um, one of, I, I think one of my most effective ways is to show uh, rather than to tell. So for example, we whenever there's a hack week or an internal hackathon or a design sprint, I really like the fact that like my my engineers, when they have a innovative idea, they actually implement it. Um, and by the way, that's the way I use, I, I work with my uh, upper chain. Like when I want to show something to my leadership, I show them, I don't tell them. And um, I think that's very, very effective. So like, hey, we've done this change. look, let's let's add it to the roadmap. and that's that's a much easier way than starting to, complain about something and saying this needs to change. You can definitely, if, if it's something that you can't implement and show, then definitely like raise your voice. But if there's a way where you can like actually show me the things that you want to build, um, that, that is a much more effective way. Going back to the change that you were uh, trying to push in your organization, uh, you mentioned several people left. Uh, so uh, what were the biggest challenges that you faced? Uh, I mean, you, it sounds like you were building this from the bottom up in a very smart uh, and effective way, but still, what were the biggest challenges? The biggest challenges was attrition because people who did not agree with the strategy, people who did not want to change, uh, people who did not like to collaborate, who wanted to be non-collaborative, were not happy in the organization. And you need to accept that that is okay. I also left organization that I didn't feel like I fit in anymore. So, and it's okay for people to leave when things change. That's, that's part of what we do. And, and as a manager, you need to empathize with a person and saying, okay, like I either help you find another role in another organization or give you a recommendation to, to work at somewhere else. Um, but that was like, there was days at that time where my kids would ask me who left today. That was depressing, but we had about 10% attrition. That's like a lot of people at the time. It was like 15 people. So do, do you recall any situation where instead of someone leaving, you managed to flip the way they thought about things and from being very uh, much against, they, they became part of the change? Yes. So um, there was a, there was, I'm not going to name name, but there was a director that uh, thought that after the change, um, their ability to make an impact was not, um, was, was blocked. And if you can't make an impact, you can't be happy. You can't be promoted. There's a lot of things that are associated with that. Um, and the way I solved it is uh, through having a lot of one-on-one -on -one meetings with, with them and also building a growth strategy for them. Saying, hey, let's carve out what you can actually make an impact on. Let's empower you to make that impact. Let's see how we can 
create a growth plan for you. Um, and, and for me, that was very important because I, I really like to retain, even if they don't agree with me, ba- basically even more if they don't agree with me. Because if they only agree with me, I don't get a contra, I, I get confirmation bias. Um, so I like people who do not agree with me and that give me the, uh, the minority reports, basically. Throughout this process, did anything surprise you? Uh, you know, something that you, you didn't think uh, would happen in, in, in this scenario. I, I'm assuming you expected uh, a lot of the challenges, but was there anything that, that was surprising? I think the thing that surprised me is how, how happy the, the engineers were when they, were when they felt empowered. So once there, were, there was a single mission vision strategy and an engineer could outline what they're doing now and how it impacts the strategy. And they had clear roadmaps that were not conflicting with other roadmaps. So there's no like dependencies that, that made them work slowly, uh, how happier they were. Um, I think the, the, the key there was like, if you give engineers um, a clear roadmap, uh, a vision, and all the tools they need, they will be ha- happy and productive. It sounds kind of uh, intuitive, uh, but when you're dealing with a lot of change, you don't think about that. And it, that, was, that made me very happy. Okay, and, and it also sounds like if you're having trouble with a particular team or person that are unhappy, you should check these things that you just mentioned and see if they exist and oh, if they're on, of course, in line. Of course, the, again, debugging is not just for code. Debugging is for <laughs> uh, human relationship as well, way before we had debugging for code. Uh, it's kind of hard to debug because there's like uh, artificial, artificial intelligence uh, that goes in the way. So, and, and that's always hard to debug. Let's talk about this retrospector. We're, we're talking about something that ended around two years ago, right? Yes. So, you know, there, there's a huge challenge in changes, particularly changes so significant in an organization. Another challenge is making that change stick. And when, when you look back, what does it look like? Did, did the change stick? Um, is the culture still what you hoped it would be? So I hope so. I'm not in that organization anymore. Um, what, what my friends there are telling me, that they kept the relationship between each other. And I think that is important. I think that uh, I, the, the people I still have good relationship with, which are like the, everyone there, uh, still like are friends with each other. And that's, that's important. And that's... Um, and that's empowering. And the people that I thought were going to be the shooting stars are actually the shooting stars. Um, and that's another, when you do an analysis of your organization, you map the people that you think will be uh, very successful after the change. And um, that proved to be the case. Um, I'm sure there's always like, I, nothing is uh, bulletproof. Um, I think here, uh, some, sometimes you make change and it, and it reverts. Sometimes you make a change and it's not the right change. There are organizations that perform better by not being super collaborative. And even being super collaborative has its downsides. If you're super collaborative, sometimes it impacts your velocity because you need everyone to agree to what you're saying. And that's also not super useful. 
So like finding the balance is important. And I, I hope the team has found like a good, but I'm seeing, I'm following them on Twitter and I'm seeing the amazing things that they're uh, shipping. So uh, I'm, I'm proud and happy. Thanks everyone for tuning in. That's all the time we have for today. To read episode transcripts, check out our past season, suggest an episode, or join our growing community of developers, head to swim.io. That's swim with two M's.io.